Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, 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 everybody. What is happening? Hope everybody's doing well out there today, and welcome to Dialed In. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way twice a week now, okay, on Mondays and Fridays on both the Believe Network and Chatterbox Sports. You can download our show wherever you get your podcast. Just search Dialed In with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We'll talk about the world of sports, both locally and nationally. Earlier in the week, we had former Super Bowl winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens, Brian Billick, talking everything that was the Super Bowl last weekend. And today, longtime Major League Baseball and NBA announcer Chip Carey will help us kick off our baseball preview and talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. He calls their game his second year there. They're coming off one of the worst years in that incredible franchise history. But first, the headlines. The baseball world, and especially here in Reds country, mourning the loss of former Cincinnati great left-hander Don Gullett, who passed away at the age of 73. A Reds Hall of Famer, Gullett debuted at 19 years young in 1970 and later became the ace of the Big Red Machine in the mid-70s. He became one of baseball's very first big-time free agents, and he signed a multi-year deal in 1978, leaving the Reds to go to the New York Yankees. Injuries would cut short what certainly would have been a Hall of Fame career. He was that great. Johnny Bench yesterday called him the best athlete and the best person he ever met. Our thoughts and prayers go to his many friends and family. All right, college basketball, the UC Bearcats travel to UCF Saturday, 4 o'clock tip, Big 12 conference action. Cats had a rough week, disappointing week. Home losses to number five, Houston, and 10th-ranked Iowa State. They sit on that NCAA bubble, and they need wins, and they need them starting right now. Speaking of bubbles, has the bubble burst for Xavier? The Musketeers were awful in a road loss to Seton Hall on Wednesday night. 88-70 the final, and it wasn't even that close. X plays at home to Providence next week. A couple of other games to keep an eye on. Big one in the Big East on Saturday. Number four Marquette goes to number one UConn. Kentucky will take on number 13 Auburn, who just beat South Carolina this week by 40. Baseball season officially upon us with pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training camps in both Arizona and Florida. And one of my all-time favorite guys and announcers is kind enough to join us today, the television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Chip Carey. Chip, welcome to Dialed In. You look dialed in down there in that Florida sunshine. That's right. As you heard me say so many years with the Cubs, there's no rain in the forecast today. <laughs> <laughs> you look great, man. Uh, Good to see you again. You too, man. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. How was your first year in St. Louis? You were with the Braves going all the way back to 2005. Your dad was there. We'll get into all some of that kind of thing in a minute or two here. But how was year one in St. Louis? dream come true. Uh, the circumstances, obviously, Tommy, with which that opportunity came about were ideal. Uh, Dan McLaughlin's still a dear friend, and I'm sorry that he went through what he did. 
But when the job came open and me being from St. Louis, I said, look, if there's an opportunity to get this job and someone's going to get it, I'd like that someone to be me. And fortunately, for some reason, the Cardinals uh, did choose me for the job. I grew up in St. Louis. My dad and my grandfather and I were all born there. So we understand the culture and what Cardinal Nation really means, not just to that region, but people who followed that team since its inception back in the uh, 1800s. Uh, but personally and professionally, it was great to make the change. I don't uh, have a single regret at all. I enjoyed my time in Atlanta. I certainly miss my coworkers and my partners, uh, the people in the truck that were so instrumental in whatever success I was able to have. But uh, the fresh start and the wonderful people at Valley Midwest have welcomed me with open arms, the fans as well. And uh, despite, as you mentioned in your monologue, a bad season last year for me personally, uh, it couldn't have gone any better, I think. You know, I'm curious, Chip, because uh, it, it really didn't hit me until uh, I was getting ready for this interview last night. Um, it was pointed out in an article that I was reading that, you know, you're starting all over again at 58. Yeah. You've worked in mm -hmm. Seattle, did the NBA with the Orlando Magic. You did the Cubs. And again, we'll get to some of that here shortly. You go to Atlanta from 2005 to 2022. And then at 58, even though it's your hometown, went to Parkway High School there in Chesterfield. I'm just curious, what's that like to start over at 58? Because a lot of people in the real world try to start over at 58 and you can't get a job. I mean, it, it's all brand new. New people, new everything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you went through it when you went from Arizona to Cincinnati, right? You, under, you understand this, right? You get to go work with your dad and all that, which was great. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, it was daunting to a degree because, again, the, the people that have sat in that chair in St. Louis, not just my immediate predecessor, but the people that preceded him, when you think about Harry Carey, Dizzy Dean, Joe Garagiola, Jack Buck, Mike Shannon, yes, Dan McLaughlin, those are incredibly talented people, and in many of those names, Hall of Famers, both in the state of Missouri and in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, to A, be considered worthy of that is an incredible honor, but with that comes, obviously, a whole lot of pressure. It's can you get the job done, right? And uh, for me, luckily, I guess, as you mentioned, I've had enough of a resume that people who even didn't follow the Braves or the Cubs or the Mariners when I was broadcasting those games kind of knew what I was about. I was a known commodity. I wasn't a 24-year-old kid coming in with a very small resume, but with a whole lot of, of, of expectation and hope. People knew what my shtick was, and luckily for me, uh, my partners, Jim Evans and Brad Thompson, our great crew with Tom Mee, who you remember, I'm sure, very well, yep. uh, really helped nurture me along the first couple of weeks until I got my feet on the ground, and off we went. And as I said, I'm incredibly grateful for whatever success I've had. It's in large part because of them, and they made the transition, yes, as a 58-year-old guy, uh, relatively seamless. And uh, as I, I've said to my wife, I wish I'd been able to do this 20 years earlier, but those are the, the, the fates that we deal with. And uh, here we are going into the age 59 year in year two in St. Louis. You know, a lot of younger uh, viewers and, and younger fans, they remember your grandfather, Harry Carey, one of the most legendary figures in baseball history, not just broadcasters, but I mean, I mean, he was right there with any of the players, right there with front office, all of sure. them. I had the, the thrill of working with him six years. Um, but but his longest tenured team was with the team you're with now. He started in 1945, went to 1969. Now, there aren't a ton of people still around, if you will, uh, that, that remember the heyday of Harry Carey in St. Louis. But there certainly, there certainly are a lot of them. I, I just said there aren't a lot of them. They're certainly they're there. Let's put it that way. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, what, what, yeah. Has anything happened uh, in the year and a half that you've been there 
where you were told something or, or somebody knew your granddad or whatever it might be that you had no idea about? Oh, yeah, all the time. And a lot of the stories aren't fit for uh, public consumption and things <laughs> you don't really want to know, as you know full well in your six years with Harry in Chicago. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the greatest compliment is when people come up to you and say, hey, we're really glad you're here. And I grew up with the Cardinals listening to your grandfather or even in Atlanta with me. It was, uh, you know, I grew up listening to your dad and now I get to listen to you. The alternative is a whole lot worse. Boy, I listened to your grandfather and he stunk or your dad was a you know what? And I can't stand him. Uh, generally speaking, people have been very, very warm and re-welcomed me back to my hometown team, as it were. Uh, I was known for so long with being associated with the Braves uh, that, it, yeah, it's kind of culture shock for a lot of people. My friends watched the highlights and occasionally when we were on last year in a 71 win season, we weren't on all that often. But they said it was jarring for them to hear me calling plays behind Brendan Donovan and Nolan Arenado and not Ronald Acuna or Max Fried in Atlanta. But that's the nature of it. And the stories that people tell about Harry uh, uh, keep him alive, keep yep. him fresh in my memory. And like I said, I hope I can do this another 20 years at least. If I can, between my dad, my granddad, and me, we'd have 100 years behind the microphone in the major leagues. And uh, I think that'd be really, really cool. That's amazing. We miss, we miss them both so very, very much. Um, what happened? Uh, it's a big question, a loaded question. Yeah. What happened last year in St. Louis? This time a year ago, uh, sitting in Cincinnati, Reds are coming off a 100-law season. You're talking about the other teams in their division. Yeah, the Reds have all these young, talented players and so on and so forth. But everybody was picking either the Brewers, the Cubs, or the Cardinals to win the Central Division. The Brewers, obviously, they did their thing. The Cubs were right there till the end. The Reds were there till the final weekend. What happened to the Cardinals? Well, the, the Cardinals didn't make a whole lot of changes from the offseason of 2022 to 23. They brought in a new broadcaster, and obviously that was the biggest problem. <laughs> uh, I, think I, I think I brought the cubby curse to them. Uh, I, I think, Tom, it, it's really not a tough question. I think everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It sounds like an excuse, but the fact of the matter is, last year the Cardinals had 13 players in their organization go to the WBC. They didn't have their entire team together for most of spring training. When they got their team together, Adam Wainwright at age 41 – was hurt and was done, but got his two wins to get to 200. Miles Michaelis, who pitched over 200 innings, wasn't himself until June 1, frankly speaking. They had a whole lot of untested guys in rotation. The Cardinals last year, the most astounding stat for the Cardinals season last year was they had 42 quality starts. 42. A quality starts a 450 ERA or better. What do you think happened in the other 118 games? That explains yeah. why the Cardinals lost 91 of them. So, the pitching was atrocious. The bullpen got exposed. Uh, Nolan Arenado did not get off to a good start and never really could find his swing or his groove defensively. Paul Goldschmidt, the reigning MVP, had a comeback season, if you will, uh, wasn't playing at his lofty standards. Tommy Edmond played hurt. Brendan Donovan was hurt. And it just was a bad year for the Cardinals. That said, um, you know, the fans in St. Louis are spoiled for a reason. They have put quality teams on the field there year after year after year. That's the first losing season the Cardinals have had in the last 16 that they've played. And John Mozeliak, after the disaster of 2023, said, we've got to fix the pitching, pitching, pitching. He went out and did that. Three new starters in the rotation, seven new guys in the bullpen, a total turnover of the entire pitching staff, if you will. And that's what the Cardinals are banking on, along with resurgent years from some of the guys that I mentioned. Uh, the Cardinals are better on paper. 
uh, than they were at any point last season. But now it's time to go prove it and get back to the top of the division. And I still think they're one big move away from uh, being a legitimate uh, World Series contender. But as of now, it looks like Moe's settled on his staff and his bullpen. And we'll see where that takes them starting on the, uh, the 26th. You know, it's always hard to say uh, when you bring in veteran guys, guys that have really been around for a while. I mean, we loved watching Sonny Gray pitch here in Cincinnati. Uh, Top shelf guy, outstanding pitcher. Kyle Gibson comes in. Lance Lynn now is back in St. Louis. They are older in the tooth. What's a reasonable expectation from that trio? Because correct me if I'm wrong. Those three combined had almost as many quality starts last year as the entire Cardinals team Correct. did last year. Correct. Right. And I think that sums it up, Tommy. I, you know, I think we overcomplicate our game uh, to a ridiculous amount with all the numbers and stats and everything else. Look, if you pitch, you have a chance to win. If you don't, you don't. Right. I mean, it really comes down to that. It's about pitching. And do you have enough of it? The Cardinals didn't have enough innings out of their starting staff last year. You make an excellent and fair point. They brought in veteran guys that, yes, have some miles on the odometer, but historically speaking, they're guys that can give you innings. Now, we'll see if those innings are quality innings or not as the season goes on. But to your larger point, if those three guys can combine for 450 innings or so and Michaelis can pitch his 180 or 200, that takes an awful lot of pressure on your bullpen, which, as I said, has been totally reconfigured. Uh, The Cardinals are banking on that. We'll see if it works out. They feel like organizationally, Tom, they have a lot more depth uh, ready to go should someone falter. And Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson, they've got Takoa Roby and uh, uh, others, Wade Tinkens, waiting in the wings. That'll be probably a double A or triple A. So they've rebuilt their pipeline of pitching, which is what the Cardinals have been known for. And what they've chased is what everyone is chasing in our game now, swing and miss. The Cardinals, I think, last year were hurt more than any team in baseball with the shift rules. They've been a pitch-to-contact staff for decades. That really costs them dearly, along with 100-mile-an-hour rockets off the bat, uh, seemingly 10 or 12 times a game. So all of those things, I think, should factor in a much, much improved Cardinals pitching staff, which should translate to a whole lot more wins. Offensively speaking, you mentioned Arenado and Goldschmidt, two of the great players in the game today. Um, But they're counting on, they the Cardinals, are counting on, you know, this whole uh, influx of young players that we've seen in their franchise within the next year or two. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jordan Walker is going to be a star in right field. Uh, he looked like you and me playing the outfield when he started. In fairness <laughs> to him, uh, he was an infielder that was asked to play outfield in the major leagues, a position he'd never played before. Uh, you're going to have Brendan Donovan, a super utility guy and a gold glover who couldn't play defensively because he tore the ligament in his elbow. That's been fixed. He'll roam everywhere. The Cardinals really started playing better baseball when they moved Tommy Edmond to center field. He played great. He's going to be slow starting this spring. He had offseason wrist surgery. The other big key for the Cardinals is going to be Mason Wynn, their young 21-year-old shortstop who's got a Sean Dunstan arm. If he can hit at all, and the Cardinals think he can, he didn't, by the way, hit all that much when he came up in September. But if Mason Wynn can hit and solidify things defensively, that means your best center fielder, Tommy Evan, can stay out there, and you can mix and match with Goldschmidt and Arenado, Contreras behind the plate, Donovan and Nolan Gorman, who could play second base, and Lars Newtbar in left field. That's a pretty good defensive lineup. It's a pretty good offensive lineup, too, and that's what the Cardinals are banking on. But make no mistake about it, you're right. The young players that St. Louis is going to feature in prominent roles in their uh, uh, starting eight uh, are going to be really, really important. And it starts with Mason Wynn. If he can hit, and he shows he, he's already shown he can play defensively, if he can hit, the Cardinals are set. If they don't, you might have some musical chairs you have to figure out. 
You were there every day. I'm not. You listen to other people who were not there every day, and everybody has uh-huh. an opinion on the chemistry of this team. Everybody, it seemed like, wanted to blame a first-year manager. There were issues with Contreras and so on and so forth. Is that fair? Did Marmol take too much heat, not enough heat, just about right? What do you think he learned from last year? I think Ali is one of the most direct and honest managers. I don't even want to say to a fault because he tells you what he thinks and what he believes. He's a guy that believes in full transparency and uh, full disclosure. Uh, I think you're alluding to the Tyler O'Neill situation. Uh, From what I was told, and again, it was my first year, so I have very little history. uh, The angst that uh, the manager had for Tyler O'Neill was something that had been building, not just for the first week of the season, but in building in years past and the veterans on that team wanted it addressed. Uh, It was addressed. Now, whether it should have been done publicly or privately, uh, I don't know. I I think that's an open question for debate, but I don't make those decisions. And I wasn't there to see if those things were discussed privately in the past. But uh, the Wilson Contreras situation, uh, the fact of the matter is for 20 years, the St. Louis Cardinals and their pitching staff never had to shake off Yadier Molina. You had a new guy behind the plate learning a new pitching staff, most of which was away from the WBC and had to pick that up on the fly. And quite frankly, I think if you ask Wilson, he wasn't particularly good at the framing metrics and the catching metrics and the things that are now so very important in our game that one's bat might have been able to uh, hide a little bit. That's no longer the case. So uh, there was a lot going on, make no mistake about it, for Ollie and his staff uh, in 2023. They've increased the staff. They are going to have more coaches, more people to help assist Contreras. Yadier Molina is going to be in camp and be around to help Contreras as well. Uh, but to pin this on Tyler O'Neill or Oliver Marmol or Wilson Contreras or any one player, I think is grossly unfair. It really was a system-wide failure and one that I think the Cardinals never want to repeat again and gives them a huge chance as an organization to really hit the reset button. They're going to pick sixth in the draft. When's the last time the Cardinals picked sixth yeah. or seventh in the draft? That's going to really, really help this team in this franchise because, as I said, they don't want to repeat that and go through that ever again. Help me with this, uh, Chip. Where do you see, and I know you haven't been there very long, but you've gotten to know Mo Zaylock and, and all the others in the front office, and, and the success through the years is, is staggering in St. Louis. The game has changed so much in regard to analytics. Where would uh-huh. you say the Cardinals are, you know, if you go 1 to 30, where, where do you think they slot in on, on the importance level of analytics? I think they understand the importance of it just as much as every other team as well as to whether or not they are equipped to take advantage of that. In years past, my understanding is they weren't. I think they're in the middle of the pack and climbing. I think to your point about Heim Bloom coming in from the Boston Red Sox, that's another set of eyes coming from a very deeply rich analytical based place in both Tampa Bay and Boston. I think he's going to provide another perspective, a fresh set of eyes on who the Cardinals have and who they can acquire to stimulate their growth in the analytics world. Uh, Bottom line is, you can have all the analytics you want, but if you don't have good enough players, uh, it's not going to matter. The question is, can you use analytics to help improve what you have? And I think the Cardinals understand that they had fallen behind in that regard. They are improving their pitching lab. As I said, they brought in a couple of more coaches to help Dusty Blake and his uh, rest of his pitching staff uh, prepare the way that major leaguers are preparing. And I think that's a trend, like it or not, it's a trend that's not going away anytime soon because every organization wants to find every single possible edge that they can. That requires time, that requires investment, and requires the right people in place to take advantage of that. And I have full confidence that, that Mo and Randy Flores, who's a bright uh, rising star in the front office ranks, 
understand that and with kind bloom are, are really going to be able to implement that over the next couple of years you know the national league central i think is very hard to get a read on for what's going to happen this year you know you start with your yeah. team the cardinals i mean we're going to see and we've walked through some of those things and what they've tried to do to improve from last year you know in milwaukee they lose their manager they their top two pitchers from this time or a year ago are gone in burns and woodruff you look at the cubs i don't know what the cubs are doing uh they haven't done much uh, you sound like people, a former Cub broadcaster. Well, you I mean, that. you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I think everybody is just stunned yeah. because this is such a quote-unquote winnable division. If you go out and just bring back some key pieces from that Chicago team a year ago that folded down the stretch, the, the Pirates have some nice young talent. There's some people that are very bullish on them. And the Reds showed all the young talent that they have, but they've got to do it again this year. What are your thoughts about the Central as you see it right now? I think you hit it on the head. I think it's a four and maybe a five-team race, right? I, and that's really what you want. We can talk all we want about mediocrity and 85, 86 wins, maybe winning the division. I don't know what the number is going to be. But I think uh, fans who follow our division aren't giving your team in Cincinnati enough credit. That is a young, exciting club in many ways. Uh, they remind me of the Braves when Brian Snitker got things turned around. Why? Tons of young talent, tons of exuberant players, guys that love to play, guys that want to play, and all they have to do is go out and learn how to win. They got a taste of it last year, and that taste, as you know, is sometimes enough to propel them forward because the next logical step for the Reds is take the next step, get to the playoffs and win a, division, win a series, right, and then continue to progress like Atlanta did. Is there enough pitching there? Will pitching ever be enough pitching in the great American ballpark? Well, it's been done before, and it can be done again. But I really like the Reds. I love their everyday lineup. De La Cruz is something to see. He's a bright young star in the making. And I don't think people, as I said, are giving Cincinnati enough credit for the problem, to quote Michael Jordan, they're going to be for the rest of the division. Uh, don't know about Milwaukee. They always seem to find a way. Uh, don't know about the Cubs. I think they're playing poker with Scott Boris to see if the prices come down on Bellinger and Blake Snell and maybe others. They have unlimited resources, but to the, this point, they're sticking to their budget. Mention what the Cardinals uh, uh, should be able to do. Uh, I think it's going to be a great race, a lot of fun. And as I said, the first team to 87, 88 is going to have a leg up. And with the improvements that our team made in St. Louis, I like our chances as good as anybody's. Uh, you know, you, you made me think of something because you were around for this. Last summer here in Cincinnati, there were a lot of people that were screaming at management saying, lock these young guys up for the long term. Mm -hmm. And I would always continue to make the argument that when you go back and you look at Acuna and Albies, and you were there when they made their major league debuts and what they did statistically their first years, not only what they did at the plate, what they did base running, what they did defensively, uh, there is no comparison between Albies, Acuna, and what these other guys did in their first year. Now, McLean had an outstanding year. Steer had a really good year. No doubt about it. But those cats are in a different world. What are your thoughts about signing these young players? And it doesn't have to be the Reds, but just in sure. general of giving a young player some of these contracts that teams are giving these guys, Not even some guys not even debuted in the big leagues yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I can't speak for owners uh, because I'm not one, although I wish I were. Uh, I think generally speaking, what do owners want? They want cost certainty, right? I, I, the last thing they want to do is go to arbitration year after year with players or then have to go and spend uh, tens of, if not hundreds of millions of dollars 
for a guy that you could have wrapped up in your own organization. To do that, obviously, you have to know your players better than everybody else knows them. That's, I think, what the great secret in Atlanta was with John Sherholtz and Bobby Cox and now with Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snitker. They know their players. They know what kind of player they want to extend and keep, and they know who they don't want to extend and keep, and those are the guys that end up getting moved for what they do happen to need. Great story about Ozzie Albies that you mentioned. I've never heard a big league player do this. Remember the hue and cry when he signed his then $30 million contract? Everybody in baseball was screaming, my God, you're leaving so much money on the table. I saw Ozzy the day after he signed the contract, and I asked him, I, mean, I just want to know why. Why now? Why for $35 million, whatever the heck it was? He said, Chip, I grew up in Curacao. A treat for my family was going to McDonald's uh, once a week. I rode my bike on the beach for entertainment. I'm 25 years old. I've got a five-year contract. If I play the way that I think I'm going to play, I'm going to get another bite at the apple. I want to be in Atlanta. $30 million is more money than I could ever imagine. It's taking care of my family yep. for generations. I'm happy. I'm content. That's why, for me, Ozzie Albies, despite, in, in, in addition to his enormous talent, is one of my favorite players because, like all of us, he understands the privilege it is to be involved in any way, shape, or form in the major leagues. And for him, it's not all about the money. It's about the winning, and he's certainly done a lot of that. All right, before I let you go, I always like to ask about kids. Yeah. Uh, you have a daughter, Summerlin. You have uh, two sons, Chris and Stefan. And the two boys have broadcast the last two years, I think it is, in the Texas League with Amarillo. They did the Arizona Fall. So here you have Harry Carey, 50, 60 years. Skip Carey, how, how many did he have total? 45, Dad, 50? Uh, let's see. God, Dad's first year was 76, so he had 45 or so. Yeah. Okay, 45. You've been around going all the way back to 1993. I think your first year with Seattle, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. 91. Right? Yeah, 91 with the Braves. 91. Yeah. Forgive me. Okay, so yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. now you're on your way, good Lord willing, to 40, 50 years in the game, and now you're two sons. Um, you know, our son is just starting to go down that path uh, as a freshman in college. But now your guys are out of the University of Georgia, and, and they're getting into this thing. I have to believe your nerves are tenfold <laughs> for them what they ever are for you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah it's funny looking at it from the other side, right? I, I know you remember your first big league game, right? You're hanging out with your dad. And your dad's in the next booth, and you don't want to let your dad down, and you're, you're so excited to be there, and you're the young whippersnapper that's coming up. And now it's guys like us that have all this gray hair that are looking at our progeny following in our footsteps. Uh, look, I'm thrilled for both of them. They're both incredibly talented kids. Uh, they're even better people. That's in large part, as you, I'm sure you would agree, with, with Polly. Uh, they do all the, the heavy lifting and raising the kids and teaching them how to be good human beings. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm nervous for them. We're hoping for some interesting news here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, don't know where they're going to be going forward, but uh, their future is bright. And at my age, I'm, I'm sort of ready to hand off the baton and stop doing the heavy lifting because, as you know, it's really fun to get them off the payroll. So <laughs> the sooner the better would be great for Susan and me as well because we'd actually like to go on vacation sometime. Well, see, that's the difference between you and me is, is I've still got them on the books, and I don't even have yeah. a job. So, I mean, it's a very different sort of thing when you don't have a job as opposed to being yeah. a big league announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals. But I, I don't want yeah. to overlook your daughter, Summerlin. She's out in L.A., right? Yep, yep. She's doing acting and modeling and doing great out there. And she's uh, the light of our life and uh, has a, a really serious boyfriend, not married yet. We're, we're, we're still waiting to see 
how that transpires. And believe it or not, we've got another one that's still at home. So I'm kind of in the same shoes you are, Tommy. I've got a 15-year-old that is starting to drive. And yep. guess what? He wants to be a broadcaster, too. So we're wow. we're tougher to kill than COVID, man. We're, we got carries all over the place, <laughs> and uh, we're, uh, we're, thrilled to, we're thrilled to continue the tradition. My friend, I can't thank you enough. All the best this upcoming season. We'll catch up with you down the road, man. Great, great to have Look you with us. Look forward to it. All we'll right. see you in Cincy, pal. Great to see you. See you, Tommy. Okay, buddy. Chip Carey, the television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, kind enough to, to join us here today. So we thank, as always, Casey McAllister. Thank you very much, young man. Are you okay over there today? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good, Tom. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing Just good. Just want to make sure. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. fine. And we got our buddy Elliot over here. I don't know what it is he's doing today. I, I'm just sitting over here by myself. I was listening. Okay. You're okay. I'm great. All right. We're all caught up now on the St. Louis Cardinals. Moving forward, next week we're going to have Chris Myers on the show uh, to talk about, you know, everything from the NFL. Uh, he's going to be uh, wrapping up his coverage of the Daytona 500, which is running this uh, coming weekend. Uh, and he's dialed into everything. A lot of baseball stuff. We're going to continue on here on Dialed In to, to get you up to date on all the teams around Major League Baseball uh, as spring training is officially underway. So we'll look forward to seeing you again on Monday. Thanks for joining us on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.